healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next minute. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the basement for music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses the Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. As usual, we are so happy to have you down here yet again as we sort of kick off this sort of end run, the end game, not Avengers end game, but our end game uh, here in Washington, D.C. Uh, the basement miraculously sort of came back together for those of you keeping track or just checking in. And, uh, and so we had a little time before we make our big move up north to Wisconsin, and uh, so I want to have some friends over and talk, and do some weird shit, and this is definitely some weird shit, this is, not only is this some weird shit, this is maybe the weirdest podcast or conversation about music we've ever done for you, the listener, but for me, and for our friend Chris Richards, and our friend Philip Bassnight, um, this is a little peek into how we think about music, how we consider music, how we spend a lot Maybe too much of our time. We're talking about Van Halen's 5150 today. And it just, um, you know, uh, being of the age that I'm at, I have a history with this album. Uh, maybe you have a history, uh, or maybe you're, you don't and you're about to have a history after you hear us talk. I don't know. But uh, but the three of us did. And, um, and Chris specifically sort of got hooked on the track Dreams <laughs> back in 2017. And so I've been wanting to talk with him about that ever since, and so that's what we did. It is, uh, you know, it's a it's a light intro to the album. We talk about its strengths, its weaknesses, uh, its issues in the Me Too uh, era, and uh, and then get a pretty heady metaphysical conversation about music and how Van Halen's Fifty One Fifty might be the root of it all. So if that sounds intriguing to you, um, then grab a beverage, strap in, sit down. Um, do what you need to do to mentally prepare yourself for this uh, one of the last podcasts from right here in Washington, D.C. Junkie Glass of the Podcast. Sit on down to the basement with my good friends Chris Richards and Philip Bassnight as we dig real deep into Van Halen's 5150. Chris, you're here for a very specific reason, because <laughs> you are the Washington Post pop critic, and uh, I have a theory that we're going to go with. Okay. People, like, for people listening in right now, we're talking about Van Halen's 5150. I think this might be the key to unlocking the current pop era that we live in. Wow. So, so we're, we're going to, I have, I have, I have evidence, I have exhibits, and, and we're going to, we're going to burn through it. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> but I'm kind of here to figure out why I like this song and this album. And this album, so right. Well, I maybe by talking it well, out. It will I, why can't this be the <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think we all are because I think, um, I know I am because like I was like 14 when this came out mm-hmm. and it was just like peak radio age and it was just like, uh, I didn't really know Van Halen. Like I wasn't old enough to appreciate the Sunset Strip Van Halen. I knew 1984, but then this comes along and I'm like, hey, this song's groovy. Why can't this be loved? It's all over the fucking radio. And into... Like the general consciousness, 
you know, heavy metal back then, especially if you didn't have MTV, was scary as fuck. You could get, uh, I think Def Leppard was breaking out, but you only saw posters of Iron Maiden, of Judas Priest, of all that shit. And it was, it was just like, what the fuck? And Van Halen, though, Van Halen was safe, right? Right. Van Halen was just like the party guys, and it had to go on. And there was 1984, and then after that, everybody like got sort of torn out of the frame because Sammy Hagar was replacing David Lee Roth. There was a big, it was drama, it was rock and roll drama. But like in 1985, you know, when we do these things, I sort of like to contextualize a little by what was going on. Just starting in metal, you had uh, Aerosmith was making a comeback with Done With Mirrors. Uh, Bon Jovi was on the rise, which we're going to talk about, but it was 7,800 degrees Fahrenheit. It was not slippery when wet yet. Uh, the Cult was still out there. Dio was kicking it. Dokken was in their prime. Faith No More was just starting up. A band called Halloween, because of course. Yeah, sure. <laughs> of sure. course, Halloween. Uh, Iron Maiden. Uh, Kicks was around. Megadeth was doing it. Uh, David Lee Roth, bless his heart, in 85, was crazy from the heat. He was out there. Uh, and um, and also relevant to this Motley Crue Theater of Pain. Mm. Yeah. And, that's, and that is... When you get into the pop stuff, like there was no bigger hit in I think in my life than Home Sweet Home. Yeah, like it, I, it was just on like MTV twenty four hours a day. But besides that, look at what's going on in the singles. Say you, say me. Yeah. Solving the Cold War through song and ballet. <laughs> it's, like, it's from the film White Nights. Um, Whitney Houston is crushing it. How will I know? Uh, greatest love of all. Uh, you got some jack rock in there, Burning Heart, Survivor. I'm not sure which Rocky that was from. Was it, yeah. it was three or four? Yeah. Um, Glory of Love, Peter Cetera. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Think about pairing all this with like what's going on. Some momentous music. Happening how how big? How, like, and how big a hit is this? Human by the Human League. Oh yeah. Like you can't even. I I couldn't place the year, but I was like, oh, it's 1985. Right. Um, <laughs> take my breath away, uh, and on that note, actually. Danger Zone. Can you yeah, like Danger amazing. Zone? Um, and you give love a bad name. Bon Jovi is about to pop and is about to have these great like pop metal just fucking burn through everything. Like you can't taste anything after Bon Jovi. <laughs> um, um, Bangles Manic Monday. If you leave orchestral movers in the dark. In excess kick. Yeah. Is that year? Yeah. Um, but also. Coming up behind that is Your Love by the Outfield, which is sort of a one-and-done album. But I think this is important to this, too. Walk This Way, Run DMC, and and Aerosmith. Because Hmm. you don't, you know, the metal was coming up, and, you know, but you have all this weird pop going on. But at the same time, like, rap is about to bust out of this. Mm -hmm. Like, rap is coming up behind him, and Aerosmith is going to help him. So, with that in mind, you have Van Halen, a band that had, like, what, like six albums before this? I think, yeah, six albums before this, they were the biggest heavy metal band, I think, of the 70s, easily the biggest heavy metal band of the 80s to that point. They have the split. Everybody's like, what's going to happen? What happened was an album that is, uh, like we were saying, we don't know why we like it. (laughs) It is not, we can say this up front, it's not a metal album. I don't even know if it's a hard rock album. I don't know what it is, but part of it, I know part of the reason I love it is because of the first single of this. So we're gonna we're gonna play some of this and then get into this album. Uh because why can't this be love was like the hit that you never saw coming. And it is so fucking badass. <laughs> this is why can't this be love off of Van Halen's fifty one fifty. 
<laughs> it's a scat heavy song yeah we were talking while this song was was playing and you know the conclusion that i kind of reached about this moment in van Halen's trajectory is like the craftsmanship of the music is so high it's so considered in terms of the timbre and like the integration of synthesizers and how they balance out with the guitars how the rhythm section is diminished in this way like you were just talking about yeah um so you have this incredibly high level of craft combined with what seems to be a complete lack of self-awareness mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, I, and I feel like they might have just been making like what they expect that their audience expects of uh, of, of a rock song you know what I mean like it's kind like they, of. they expect it to be long and grand yeah. and melodic and there should be you know like of, you know, of, Hagar's like my voice should like be you know scraping paint off the ceiling. You know what I mean? like, it's like, so let's just yeah, yeah, it does, and they so they just deliver on all those fronts without any kind of like I don't know I don't it doesn't want to say it's imbalanced, but like there's no restraint on it. Well, is is it a, is, is is it of a pop song or is it of of I mean of a rock song or a pop song? And and that's really the question because I yeah. hear that now and and I'm like that is just a pure pop song that yeah. came out of like nowhere for this band sure and well it came out of jump right sh- uh, yeah well jump but, was poppier how about that right but this when the synths start to drive the songs that's to me like a big shift from like and they kind of have one foot in one foot out of this for an album or two but it, then it's like you know it's like are who's in charge and eddie's always behind whatever the lead <laughs> instrument is but it's like yeah. what side of it do we want to play up the pop side or the rock side you know and it seems like I, were people having this debate in the 80s i was a child so i don't know but i mean right. was it just like because he was such an insane guitar player that it was almost like they were unimpeachable for that i know so many yeah. bands got yeah, ripped not, for no, their synthesizer usage but no, was it just well, like we can't we can't knock eddie I, it's like listen to him solo i, I mean i remember on 1984 it, it was it was a very shocking thing and it was mm-hmm. like oh but the, the the bop that was uh, jump was undeniable. Yeah. So you can't mm. like, and it wasn't unimpeachable. It was just they looked at him. They're like, well, here's a guy that's been doing these. To be clear, now in hindsight, most of Van Halen's catalog is pop songs of a certain variety. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've been saying with David Lee Roth, it was more on the carny side. And and, <laughs> and and no, he, he's a carnival ice barker cream man. man. Yeah, yeah, ice cream man and stuff. <laughs> with, with with Sammy Hagar into this mix, and this is where this album gets really confusing. Right down to that album cover, yeah, it's sweatier <laughs> and not yeah. in a good way. Yeah, and and with Sammy Hagar, it's it's interesting that you said you uh, were into some Montrose or you know looking into that before. Yeah, you know his band. previous band Montrose yeah. was. It, it was a California like macho is, is mm-hmm. the best thing I can yeah. describe it as. But him breaking out in nineteen in nineteen eighty four, he had that hit. I can't drive fifty five. Right, and it, it was a it was a weird kind of rock and roll superhero, like just this rebel thing. But when you actually look at Sammy Hagar, you know he's just like this far removed from the guy in the school bus. Be like, you want some candy, little girl? <laughs> <laughs> and there's no way around that. Like in looking at him, but and and on this album. That song is 
clearly the basic plea for love. Yeah. Which, w- yeah. which makes up all yeah. pop songs. Yeah. But the song <laughs> right before it that I want to play a little of is clearly not. And it gets into the side of Van Halen and it is so conflicting about this album uh, that wasn't, I think, on their career, in the career prior, is, especially in the Me Too gen- movement uh, generation, it there's a lascivious, lascivious nature to this stuff. Mm-hmm. The things you just shouldn't say out loud. And somehow they managed to put these in a pop song. Uh, this... Uh, I, w- I want to play a little bit of this, yeah, and then and then we'll we'll <laughs> say the lyrics. Uh, this is a little bit of good enough. Prime grade A stamp guaranteed. Just grease it up and bring on the heat. And then later, hey waitress, you got any specials here tonight? Me and the fellows might be interested. Rack of what? There's 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 no way to say that and sound cool, sexy, anything but like really, really misogynistic. And at the time though, this was. This is like smack some leather pants on this song and you're fucking good to go. <laughs> and it's just... I think it was like the expectation of rock and roll, right? This idea sure. that it's, this is the genre where the boys can be boys. And I mean, again, it was childhood for me, so I don't but is, remember. But is that of... boys being boys? Like, you, you, Philip, you were saying like about David Lee Roth and the difference here. Yeah, I mean, they kick off the first album like, like running with the devil, ain't talking about love. There's an implication with David Lee Roth that it's like, I'm... I'm not on the right side of the tracks, but like if you want to come hang out with somebody and like go over to the dark side, I'm here, you know, right, and right, I'm ready right, to. Right. You can come hang out with us, and there's there's more like it puts it on him a little bit more, you know, where Sammy Hagar seems to lack that uh, awareness, which makes it a little creepy, or that inv- invitation, or whatever it is. I, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's that's just a good point. Th- there's like moments on, on this album that it just feels like predatory. It's like the Van Halen boys. Are <laughs> yeah. Out. Sure. I didn't mean to say like, oh, and that's just how it was back oh, then. I know, I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. I think, but I think that actually was how it was back then. No, it it and, was. Uh, and it's just shocking to hear it now. It'd be, imagine if anyone released a song with those lyrics today. <laughs> well. Like in, a, in a rock context. Well, you know I mean, I mean, like I mean are people context? doing that? I mean, it, you know, uh, <laughs> I think people are, and I don't necessarily think it's it's in pop music or anything, but like, 
one of the criticisms mm-hmm. of, say, Anderson Pox, uh, Oxnard, but definitely his No Worry stuff, sure, sure. is the misogyny in that. I know there's just a history of misogyny in rap, but at some point, you have to look at it and be like, wait a minute, dude. So I wonder, that's a, that's a great question then, too. Like, well, in 20 years, will we look back on the hip-hop of today and say, yeah. wow, can you believe someone said this? Or right, but the hip-hop of today um, is sort of the pop of yesterday, like, sure, as sure, far as following sure. the cycle of that. Mm-hmm. It all... It all like serves the same purpose, fits in the same space for the public. Yeah, and that's why that's why I said up front, this album feels like the first time that you had all these challenging things coming forward into such a public space. Interesting. Yeah, that like because people knew who Van Halen people people loved Van Halen. They wanted to be Van Halen. They wanted Van Halen in their house. They wanted them to marry their daughters. Everybody or do whatever wants with you know. Yeah. You know, everybody wants some. They were in Back to the Future, <laughs> huh? They were in Back to the Future. Right. Well, their music was in Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. and and you know, it gets looked at. This album gets looked at as sort of this weird artifact. Yeah. Of first of all, the split, like Van Hagar, like do you like Van Halen or Van Hagar? It's like they're two different things, right? And right. you can like both. Do you think right. you think of them as two separate bands? Absolutely. In your head, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's partially because of what I, yeah. we're talking about. It is, it is. Right. One is fun, and one is like, is he serious? Yeah, I well, think I think of them yeah. as two different bands as well, and I think I might like Van Hagar better right. for, for the reasons that you yeah. just mentioned. Because David Lee Roth did know what he was doing, and I guess that wasn't appealing to me because it seemed to have, again, maybe a self awareness to it that Van Hagar does not, and that lack of self awareness just makes <laughs> the it gives the music. I don't know. Just I like music that is supposed to. It feels like it knows what it's providing you with, but it's actually giving you something very different that makes you maybe feel uneasy, mm. if you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's just an ambiguity that starts to come out of all of this friction that we're talking about um, that I think makes it more interesting, at least for like this album and the next one. When I was yeah. first getting not, into not, Van not Halen. Not for the fuck album. I won't. Yeah. I can't really, I, I, by then, the world had changed. <laughs> I obviously had been left, left behind. But I know it's weird, though. Like, I think like right now, I mean, that was like concurrent with grunge and before you it was like, right before. talk about like not knowing how to pick a side yeah. or whatever i mean i remember seeing that on mtv like around the same time of these things i didn't feel like i mean i just knew kids who for it me was, that was like sixth grade it was grade it was, like liked, 90. it was my freshman year of college was, okay, yeah. so literally in our dorm room in my dorm room we had uh pavement and we had uh uh fucking uh shit we had this we had all the holdovers and foreign lawful carnal knowledge. Yeah. And then coming up real close to that was stuff like Gish. Right. So you were, you were like not Nirvana the, yet. So you were into like Smashing Pumpkins and yes. foreign lawful carnal knowledge at the same time. Yeah. And but it was weird right. having That's a cool. roommate. Uh, my funny, roommate yeah. was like huge Van Halen fan. Right, so right. he was like, what is all this noise going on? Right, right. That's you funny. Know, but, you know, at that time, that stuff was all at Pearl Jam even. Mm-hmm. Uh, except it was uh, Green River, I think was the name of the band before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it was... You didn't get it at the record exchange, like you had to have somebody give you a tape of it. Right, right. And but it was definitely happening, and right. and you could see it popping up on 120 minutes. Yeah. Um, they continue. I mean, so that's kind of the dirtier side of Van Halen on this album. But like I was saying, there's so much pop on this album that, uh, I I don't know about the ambiguity though. Like I I just don't know how to feel, and I don't know if that's ambiguity in their lyrics or like like I'm conflicted because. Well, maybe I was going to say maybe the ambiguity is not in the music itself, but yeah. it creates and it, there's a it's like a byproduct of it or whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the fact I mean, because the like, there, are, there are these very kind of like seemingly sincere power ballads uh-huh. on this on this record or like sped up power ballads, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them, you know, that are about love and longing. And then, of course, just these trashy, you know, grotesque man songs at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, uh, and they're all kind of like 
being presented against this sort of same sound palette. So yeah. for me, like maybe it's it's coherent in in the minds of the artists, but the the sort of like I don't know the aftertaste, if you will, which I don't. It sounds like a the wrong metaphor to be using when we're talking about how grody these guys are, but um, uh, it's 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 you know what I mean. Or even like your memory, you know what I mean. Like yeah. the way that like the music kind of like stick, you know, the way I love listening to music that kind of sticks around in your head like a smell or a sensation yeah. that won't a yeah. lingering thing. You S- know? Still not using the right terms. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, sorry, it's fine. We're, we're we have five senses. Okay, they don't have to be used in pervy ways. Yeah. You can use them all day long. Uh, yeah, in all kinds of ways. Um, but yeah, like the 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 sort of like aura around this record is what feels well yeah the, the, the yeah. Aura, yeah the aura around this record because you have that and you have this song which is it's a summer fun song dude it's a summer fun song and it's the first time like they acknowledged they were using a thing called the floyd floyd rose locking tremolo oh yeah right which where which you should explain that to the, to the people. I, I, I will explain it so <laughs> yeah. um, i'm gonna play it and then you'll, and then, and then yeah. you'll hear it but cool. but like you know after that song and this is sandwiched between um a song we're gonna talk about later dreams but also Best of Both Worlds, which was a hit, which is, to me, it's it's a weird type of Christian rock, but it's like arguing for, it's <laughs> yeah. arguing for Unitarianism. Like, guys, let's not be Catholic, but we gotta, you know. Uh, I had not seen it that way yeah, before. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this is awesome. I'm, I'm seeing this album in so but many more dimensions. I, I have thought right way too much about this over the past 30 years. Great. But, I love it. Uh, but uh, Summer Nights was a straight up, and it was released in summer. It was straight up summer jam, and it sounded like this. The dudes are in the convertible. They're down by the shore. They're having a good old time. Summer nights. There's, there's nothing actually, uh, you know, sex and lust drive pop music. They drive the human species. So there's actually nothing terrible about that song. Like the first song, it is normal. Just like some dudes hanging out the shore. Except one of the dudes has a a brand new tremolo system that can change keys by locking <laughs> it. In. That's the Floyd Rose tremolo. You hear these key changes in there that. Normally, would happen where you would basically move your uh, hand up the neck of the guitar to play a different key or stuff, and he can just like 
lock it in and do it. Uh, that is basically for guitar nerds only. And I think that's what that <laughs> song is. And I think a lot of this was uh, about that. They had the new studio for this. They had new amps. I don't think he had the new guitar yet. Um, but, you know, the, they were trying out all this different stuff behind the scenes. More uh, to your point, Chris, about them being just like just technically precise. They, the precision of that. It expanded beyond just like the notes they put out to you. It was like every single little thing they did. But right. like that. And that's another friction, too. This idea of precision when you're supposed to be this kind of like Dionysian <laughs> yeah. rock band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're all about like just running wild. Right. But actually, we're extremely exacting and we're getting everything just exactly right at the same On time. On record, though. Yeah. Right. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I, feel, I feel like that's a weird friction. It's being cool. Eddie Van Halen's guitar tech has got to be the most stressful job in the entire world. <laughs> do, you think there's, do, you think do you think it's like a panel of them? There's like Probably. A yeah, it's, it's like it's a like translator. A no one can do it for more than 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I was going to say it's like a pit crew. Like a NASCAR. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There are, everyone's tuning string individually. I'm in charge of, his, of the I'm charge of the string guys. You know, um, uh, but you get yeah. promoted from A to high E after, <laughs> after six months on tour. Um, no monetary promotion though. It's going off the rails, yeah. man. No, um, <laughs> to me that song sounds like a Richard like Link Ladder movie. You know, yeah. like it just feels like. Bros hanging out, being bros in Texas, or something. Yeah, it's days you know? are confused. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's, just, it's, yeah. it's that vibe. It's the vibe that they captured a lot on all the previous ones, like the good time songs on all the stuff with David Lee Roth was about that. It was just like good time party dudes. Maybe we got some whiskey. Well, it's funny that you mentioned this because we're talking about dudes, dudes, dudes uh, in convertibles and uh, the hanging out of men. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I did learn from reading Sammy Hagar's memoir, Red, uh, shortly after. <laughs> going crazy over this album in the spring of 2017 is that part of um, some of the songs which we're going to get to later on were written because the band very concertedly wanted to try to um, attract more women in the audience right in Hagar's language to get more chicks at the shows okay was uh, was was actually Ever the was diplomat like, was like yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think he translated that on a song or two in here to what right, it really right. meant right which and, and this is is love walks in um and that was like literally um the inspiration for, for this song and for dreams, because I was so obsessed with them. I thought, especially, well, and we're still working our way toward dreams. I yeah, we, we are. We haven't been we mentioning are. it yet, but I've, I've spoiled it. Um, <laughs> we're going to let you loose. But I was going to say, if you know about Van Halen's 5150, you know that there's a song on it called dreams. And yes. I'd like to tell you some things about it um, later on. But I went reading this memoir just to really find out like what yeah. made that song tick. And of course, you know, that was like his big thing. It's like, well, the band decided we need songs that chicks will dig. Um, but Love Walks In has a much more interesting backstory, which, I, which you guys know about, maybe, um, and hopefully listeners do not, or if they do, we'll be happy to hear about it again. But um, Hagar believes he was visited by an alien in the night. He believes, like, on, on some X-Files level stuff, that an alien force <laughs> came that. into his room. So all this stuff about, like, contact, you know, and it's about, like, contact oh, with an international wow. species. Um, the like, love pulls the string and all this stuff. Like, he, it was all, it's kind of this weird, I guess, by feeling like he sincerely had an alien visitor kind of transpose that into like maybe the visitation was uh, inspired as an act of love across galaxies. Yeah. Which is a pretty heady concept. It is a pretty for this album. So, well, for any, <laughs> but look, they're, ca they're California dudes, right? Yeah. So, the, so yeah. they're, they're definitely not averse to like hallucinogenics. They're not that far removed from like the heady days of the height. Uh, and, and you know, the line, yeah, they grew up in that world. Yeah. yeah. So the line is like, so when you sense a change, nothing feels the same. All your dreams are strange. Love comes walking in some kind of alien. Yeah, there it is. Just right there. Wait for the opening, then simply pulls a string. Yeah. And 
you hear that, um, to put it in like macho terms, for macho terms, the, the dude terms, it's like, love is strange. I don't want to feel love. And it's like, wait right, a minute, right. I feel love now. You're saying it's a masculine mm-hmm. thing to not want to... Yeah be in touch with your own emotions. Well, that, I think that's how and pe- only an alien can help <laughs> you right, with that. Right. I, I, well, I, I think I think people t- t- like tried to take it as a metaphor. Right. But he hilariously it's not a metaphor. Right, right. Yeah, oh, he's telling the truth of what so happened to him. It was a strange such a strange part of the memoir too because like so much of it is like very much like just braggadocio stuff about his sexual yeah. conquests and this and that and all the drugs. Really be like it's like I don't care what you think. This absolutely happened. I put it into a song and then he's back to, you know, being kind of like an aggrieved rock star. There's a really strange vibe I find with like some people who have reached a very high level of popularity and success. They're mm-hmm. still very angry about something. Yeah. And he is, seems to very much be one of them. There's an entire chapter of this memoir read by Sammy Hagar uh, dedicated to like a mountain biking company that he tried to start in 1993. And then like another company released a similar mountain bike and he got totally screwed over. It's like a whole chapter of his book about is, this weird like side hustle that didn't work is out. Is there a song about that on Chicken Foot's I, album? <laughs> I haven't listened for it. He didn't mention transposing that anger into into music, but it just it was absolutely puzzling. I was like, right. you're like you're this upset about a weird, you know, side business that you tried to start not working out. So Well what what musicians are mysterious creatures. No, get into that. Like what, yeah. what what fuels like people who making this type of art making pop songs? Like I said, love and sex is one. Yeah. Rage is another. Sense anger, of competition. Anger. Sense sure. of competition yeah. uh, is another. And you, you could easily just say all those are essentially the same thing. Yeah. And we don't well, know what to you know, name it. In food, it's like umame. It's the, the undefined flame. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an emotional umame. It's, but desire. It, a sense yeah, of yeah. Desire. It does make so much sense, though, because like pop music is like a world of emotion about a really specific thing mm-hmm. in a three-minute song. So yeah. like people who get obsessed with things like that, it's like that. that's perfect. Every they time found their, yeah, they, they found, found it, way. they just yeah. sing about it in a three right. minute song. And it's like, it's, there's no lack of, they're not wanting for lyrics. They have yeah. everything they yeah. need because everything yeah. is a disaster and a crisis <laughs> or like yeah. a, an alien walking in alien or whatever it like, it makes so much sense to yeah. me. Like, that's smart. Yeah. Well, let's play a little <laughs> bit of this because, uh, it is, it's also a turn for them. I think as a band, um, you'd heard since before, but this is an expressly synth heavy, the whole melody is synth. Yeah. It's, it's, I think this was where people really drew the line between Van Halen and Van Hagar. Yeah, sure. They're like, and I'm talking about the macho dudes. Like, was this a what is this pussy shit? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, instead of being like, hey, maybe you should just look inside your heart and see if you can <laughs> see if you accept love. Look to the stars. But look, Sammy Hagar's got the way. So, you know, just let love walk in.
I, I did not know that this song was about an alien encounter until today. And I feel like I've feel been like missing it? a huge component of not only the song, but really the album and the band. Here's the question. Does it change how you feel about it? Well, it, it only makes me more impressed at how sincerely he delivers the lines <laughs> and the songs. Yeah. I mean, he's howling. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's there. That He's present on that song. And that's when I like him the most is when he's like, working as a vocalist you know not trying to be mm -hmm. cheeky or anything like that but really selling it and uh he definitely does on that one yeah yeah yes great yeah point. i mean it's just <sighs> there's also the ridiculous side of it like inside your head you're thinking i'm just gonna write a song about an alien and i'm gonna put this <laughs> much work into it and this much emotion i don't know what kind of personality trait that takes i don't know i don't i, I just i'm not that person yeah but like there there's not just people like him out there. There's people who written all kinds of weird shit. Right. But they don't do it necessarily on like big pop albums and have this big pop movement. Honestly, to get chicks. Right. right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it must have been like, what are some stories I tell when I'm meeting women? Like, oh, let's talk about the alien encounter. Yeah. Let's put that one. <laughs> Got me laid let's put once. That one. Let's put that one in there, I guess. I don't do know. you tell the I band right still away? Goes on. You know? Yeah. yeah. Is it something that you, you lead with? Like, hey, guys, I wrote a song about an alien encounter. Or yeah. six months after the album comes out, do you go, yeah, by the way, that was. Uh, after you know, a while, the guys are like, ah, oh, he's talking about the alien metaphor. Again. Yeah. Sammy's drunk. Right. <laughs> Regardless, I respect it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it, you know, that that wasn't, despite being a massive pop hit. Uh, was there a video for that? Can't say I've seen it. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I don't think there was, but I know it was on the radio. But really, what we're here to talk about is dreams. This is this is what it's all about because, <laughs> and this is this is why because it's always a pleasure to have you down here in the basement, Chris. Thank you. And um, and it's because you know all I think all us music fans or nerds, however you want to put it share certain points of obsession and we get hooked on something and like you said in 2017 you got hooked on dreams this man. was mysterious it happened in march of 2017 and the th reason that it happened is i think um i was going through this phase where i was watching movies that scared me as a child i think because we were, huh. we were about to enter a scary moment in america yeah and i was like well let me revisit like things that scared me as a child because obviously i triumphed over those fears and maybe there will be something that will help me brace for what's coming in yeah. this country so, you know, I watched like Superman three, it's it like with Richard <laughs> Wait, Pryor yeah. no, at the end. I had imagined, I had remembered the scene <laughs> where like a robot's like guts explode mm -hmm. everywhere. And I went and watched it and it wasn't that at all. There was like the kind of like an enemy is taken over by these kind of computer wires or whatever. And yeah, like, yeah. the final scenes, yeah. I remember this in like massively more violent scene in my in my child mind. Yeah, yeah. So I was very like, oh, okay, see, that wasn't as scary as I remembered it. So I kept going through one of them. Finally, I got to Transformers the movie, which was oh, a yeah? cartoon that came out in 1986. Yeah, yeah. With a kind of um, heavy metal power ballad song called "You Got the Touch," which, which was, was later in Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So then I was thinking, okay, and that kind of put this itch in my mind. And I was like, there's another song out here that's kind of like that that I'm remembering. What was it? And then I figured out that it was Dreams by Van Halen, which I must have heard sometime between 1987 and sure. 2017. I must have heard it on the radio somewhere, but it was as if I had not heard it since I was, you know, eight years old. Right, right, and right. I, the, and I think my big exposure to it was um, there was a roller skating rink near where I grew up in yeah. Maryland. If people are listening to this from D.C., when you drive out from D.C. to the Atlantic Ocean on Route 50, 
between the Severn River Bridge and the Chesapeake Bay Bridge on your right, there was a Lexus dealership that used to be a roller rink in the 80s where nice. um, I believe I first heard Van Halen's Dreams and I heard also heard Michael Jackson's It, wasn't, it there. wasn't a Skateland, was it? I don't remember the brand name of the Because there was a Skateland chain up, down, up and down the East Coast, but very well, it there. very well could have been. Um, but I remember skating around in circles listening to this song. So, okay, so I find it and then I listen to it and I was like, oh, that sounds great. Let me listen to it again. And... This went on for like about a month and a half. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stop listening to it. I was listening to it like seven times in a row, ten times in a row. I'd go walk the dog, and I'd be like, "Oh, cool! I can probably get like two dreams in." Two dreams like, on, uh, during during this during this <laughs> dog measuring walk. your life in dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I was measuring my life in dreams, and I don't know why it happened. It was like, and it wasn't like um. And people talk about like like they say like the word obsession, and it, it has like a really negative connotation. Like you're some kind of stalker person who has malevolent intent on this right, thing you're obsessed right, with. Right, or right. You, there's a really positive thing. Like, I'm obsessed with it. I, I just love it so much. This was something in between. I, it was I, like a, a, a sort of compulsion I maybe have never felt in my life. Do not stop listening to the song. Every time I heard it, it sounded exciting. It made me feel great. I mean, it was like, I've never done cocaine. I think maybe it's like what people have described to me, what cocaine feels like. I felt I mean, incredible I'm, every time I heard the song. And it was undiminished. And I like, can re- verify. It feels like cocaine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Repeat listening, you know, it, you, you start to feel a sense of diminished returns. And this song remained indestructible to me for like, I think almost 90 days. I wasn't like listening to it 10 times a day, like three months in. Well, so, but, so, so to contextualize when this is out and stuff, it, and, and I mentioned Danger Zone earlier, and I, and I think that's important. And I think it's important about what we were doing at the time. Uh, you know, the Cold War was coming to an end. But you had really serious songs around this, you know, the years around this, like uh, Sting's uh, Russians, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. Uh, but you also had uh, Danger Zone, which Top Gun was just besides a celebration of, like, Tom Cruise. You know, American it, military it, power. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was American military power yeah. uh, set to that rock and roll. And um, Rocky IV, I think, was actually around, around then. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Queen's uh, One Vision. Mm. Same thing. But there was all this, like, this sort of fighter jet military imagery ingrained in, in our, our minds, yeah. people my age going on there. And this sort of got into that because it started getting used for that. But when you hear a lyric like, uh, we'll get higher and higher, straight up we'll climb, we'll get higher and higher, leave it all behind, you know, it's, it, the song just reeks of triumph. Right, yeah, sure. Like, and it is... uh Jack Rock, I think, existed before then, but I don't think it was perfected until Dreams. Interesting. I, okay. I, I think, I, and, and, and I think it defined a, a format of music and song that we have to this day that permeates our stuff. We were talking about how songs are like, can be braggadocia or all this thing. I think this is the originator. I think this is, but this is just like, you're going to succeed. You're going to do it. You're going to fucking get there. Right. You're right. going to win. Right. And you have to win. And why? Because your dreams. Right. But, like, <laughs> but also not just doing it with guitars and the normal rock right. format, but synthesizers but are using, so important Using in the this sounds formula. of the time. And, and, yeah, and, exactly. And, and that's something yeah. about the synths. It's why I was asking about, off mic, the synths on Why Can't This Be Love. A fascinating thing about every artist in this time who wanted to get into this synth territory. Because bands like Aha were fucking killing it. Mm-hmm. Humanly. Kill, like, synth bands were big. Uh is that nobody knew how to use them. Interesting. If you have, there's a DX100 right there. That's the little baby cousin of a DX7. Mm-hmm. That was the champion piece of equipment you could get. Right. And, but it, the sounds it made were crap. 
So you had to figure out how to do it. Moog was not really... They, they were around for a long time, obviously, but they weren't as prevalent as they were. And so you have these weird sounds. The synth sounds on these are actually kind of crappy. Like, if you think about it, what we just heard on Love Walks In, it's like, like what? That's shit. Come on, dude. But, You're saying but, little, but it, you know, it, felt, it sounds like a little out of the box to you? Like, yeah, yeah, right. totally out of yeah. the box. But, yeah. but the funny thing is they, they still totally permeate pop music. I they mean, do. 1989... The one of the that just says people can't play, but that's not even <laughs> well. One, no, 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 no. Well, one of the hallmarks of the production on the Taylor Swift's 1989 is that it was all 80s synthesizers on the bass and right. modern synthesizers on the top end. So you have this very, it sounds exactly what you're talking about, right? When you're talking about Aha, when you're talking about mm-hmm. Joy Division, when you're talking about New Order, these they're using thinner synth sounds, right? They're not cutting through in the way that right or not cutting through that's not the right word but blanketing the sound in the way that like a synth is going to do on dreams and then henceforth on all pop ballads forever and the point i was getting to was that these guys these guitar heroes alex you know they have eddie van halen who is like undoubtedly one of the best guitar players has ever lived his brother Alex, who played like what a seventy-piece drum kit, right. you know Michael Anthony is one of the most ridiculous sidemen. Like they, yeah. and we were talking about the background vocals. Like they finally matched somebody. Hagar could sing with Michael Anthony. That's why they're in a band together now. Yeah. And that, you know, and this new synth thing. And they literally just looked at this stuff and said, "We want to do more pop because that's what's going on." They're on Warner Brothers at this point. Uh, we want to get chicks. We feel like chicks like synths. So let's make it work. And somehow they did. It it created a song that you got obsessed with. It created a song you can drop this in like a, you can drop this like in an army recruitment video right now. Yeah. And people will be like, no, I'm, I said, let, let's just hear a little bit of it and come back because I need a little inspiration. This but, song could make me sign up for the fucking army. Okay, this, actually, this song could make me do anything. <laughs>
So, Chris, how do you feel right now? <laughs> Exhilarated. <laughs> Remember those York Peppermint Patty commercials where people... Oh, yeah. I yeah. feel like 500 of them just happened in my mind. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's incredible. And I hope I don't sound like I'm being some kind of hyperbolic psychopath or whatever. But this song does not lose, like, any of its energy to me. Every no. single time I hear it, it sounds like I'm hearing it for the first time. It's so mysterious. It's so mysterious to it me, is. that quality. But, that, I, I, but that's I, I why we can't. like music, right? That's, yes. That's, that's the but point. it's so rare. And I, and I never say, like, this is one of my favorite songs. I mean, I guess maybe it is not a favorite. I don't, I, it doesn't feel like... I think you don't have a choice in it's one of your favorite right. songs. I think, yeah, it's I think I, like, so. as excited as you were just getting, yeah. like, your yeah, listeners, like, he's bouncing around down here. But, you, but, but like, I was that excited inside, and I was excited for you all of a sudden. And then just to <laughs> get in a room with you. It's, <laughs> and, then, it's, and then also, like, and, and, like, this joy spreads. But here's the mystery. If you were to be like, oh, you love dreams, well, check out this, you know, you adjacent could, oh, song yeah, yeah, yeah. by Molly Crew or whatever. I'd be home like, oh, that's, home? oh, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. nice. It's just it, there's something mysterious, and even Van, there's no other Van Halen song which which is within a hundred miles of it. Even though on this album there are other songs that I really love. Yeah, this there's something so bizarrely you know, that just goes right to the, the pleasure center of my brain, and, and I, it's undiminished. It's I nuts. think this is the du- duality of the Hagar thing. I think this is how he feels about the world. I think he legitimately means the best for the world. Right. So for him, like the alien 
fall in love with him. That's yeah. not weird, right? Because it's right. just love, man. Right. But right. And, and, and 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 I think the world needs that. This especially. is the expression of hope and utopian right, idea. Right. Right. Yeah. Yearning. This is the payoff of. But all also your think about it. You're you're you've had a good music career, but then you get asked to be in Van Halen. Yeah. Like. That's what dreams are made of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. That's it. Like, it's pretty nailed it doesn't on the head. get any better than that. And so, like, he gets to just be unbridled, yeah. joyful on this song. Those are both really you know? good points. Yeah. We were just saying off mic, too, that the idea of, like, that's what dreams are made of, it's kind of like uh, a trapdoor to sneak out of the song when your lyrics don't make much sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we belong in a world that must be strong. That, what that means, I have no idea. But when you follow it up with, hey, that's what dreams are made of. It's pretty. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slippery little. The internal logic like, is a little exit. Yeah, you can be like, and that's all I gotta say. Yeah, Later. it's like, yeah. uh, but you know, and, and that touches on the, the classic popness of this, and why I think it was the template for all this stuff because the best pop, the best earworms, the best uh, stuff that permeates our culture, rather than like say weird jazz that we have to think of, hits some universal note that may not mean a goddamn thing. Right. It, it just is in there, and you're just like, like, hey, uh. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know what the song's about, but I don't listen to the song because I know what the song's about. You know? <laughs> right. It's <laughs> like, a, the bigger, there's a bigger yeah, there's, satisfying there's, meaning to it. That, right, right. That trans- I mean, that's the one thing that I'm always trying to like send home to people, and this Van Halen is clearly proof of it, <laughs> is that music is not just its lyrics, you know? And I think that's something that we're really mm-hmm. prone to think. We, especially people talk about country music, like as if the song's meaning exclusively resides in the words. And. Again, Van Halen proving to us tonight for all the songs that, we're playing that it's not that. The converse of that is I had a weird thought the other day. is like people like, it's instrumental. I'm like, well, all music is instrumental. Mm-hmm. Like, whether or not that's it's just, an, it, can, it, it can just be a voice. Yeah, that's But like, that, that is like your point is like, it's not just the lyrics. It's not just this. Right. It is all these things coming together to make a feeling that we then either receive or don't. Right. The right. Uh, I, When Earth, Wind & Fire was recording September and they were like singing Body Ah. Say that you remember it. Somebody was like, "Don't you want a lyrics?" Or he's like, "No, don't let the, don't let lyrics get in the way of the groove of the song, or something yeah, like yeah, something sure. like that." He's like, "I'm totally. not going to let that get in the way of totally. what fe- what it feels like when I sing Body Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's a hundred times better than any right. anything I could say there. Right. It's true. It's right. don't let it just get out of get out of your own way. You know, like right. just let it happen. And I like that. You know, but I didn't know that's right. That's good. We, we you know we've we've said after this they oh you eight one two. Which is like come words on. truly got in the way. There's a F U C K for unlawful <laughs> right. cardinal knowledge, and you know they had these copycats of this thing, and and I don't know what diluted it. I don't know how. I, I just knew. Wait, they, they're the copycats, or they had people copycatting off of well, the, their, both, both. Okay, yeah, they yeah, they yeah. they saw dreams and love walk in specifically as the stuff that gets chicks. Mm-hmm. But it, that's this is to the self awareness point. I don't know that they really. Maybe Sammy had to have known. Like I, I don't see how you write this without being like, I just want to spread this positive vibe into the universe. Well, isn't that part of the the whole like lie of machismo? Is that like I'm just doing this to get chicks? But in reality, it's like no, I want to feel feelings. Like I want to feel things. Like I want to be in touch with the good emotional side of me. Right. Right. And it's like, but you're like, no, no, it's just for it's just for the chicks. Right. Like that's the thing about so much of his memoir was disappointing to me because it's just this like pure hedonism thing, and that Mm -hmm. seems to be almost like the unimpeachable moral center of rock and roll to so many people of this generation. Like, yeah. it's all about pleasure. And like, I'm living the life of that other people dream of. And I do whatever I want to, and I sleep with whoever I want to, and I do whatever drugs I yeah. want to, and I can fly across the planet because I have tons of money. 
You know what I mean? Like that seems to kind of be, I mean, I guess it's freedom. Maybe it's like the, the, an idea, an extension of freedom, what freedom can be. Sure. Um, and then, so I mean, then it, that makes me think like, then like, is like the heightened state that I enter when I hear dreams, is that some kind of freedom? I guess it is. It's freedom from well, for me, the misery of this world. Well, for, for, for me, for me and for maybe for you and, and for you too, Phil, I mean, cause like, I'm shit, I'm going to be 47 this year. So, you know, you get older and like, you know, those things are great at, at a time and stuff, but they aren't that freedom. They aren't escape. They're like, you oh, still, of course. yeah, sure. Yeah. But I mean, we know that, but there is, there is some quality to, to this uh, in some ways, Love Walks In, but when Sammy Hagar is working his his magic, if you will, uh, that is universal in the way something, and I'm probably going to get killed for this, something like A Bridge Over Troubled Water is. Something huh. like, yeah. some, something, these songs, Go on. these songs, no, these songs <laughs> like that, that we hold up as, as like beacons of light that we can look to, um, that, I mean, come on, like you said, that doesn't mean anything. The internal logic fits, right, but nothing in that song actually is relevant right. to anything except for you just gotta you just gotta do it. Like man. hope and idea yeah, of hope just, and aspiration. Yeah. yeah. I some, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I was just embarrassingly old when I figured out that Bridge Over Troubled Water was written by someone and not just a song that had existed for eons. I just right. can't. For, right. I don't know what it was in my head. I just assumed well, it was like, like amazing yeah, grace. That's, like, that's a very that's high compliment. Just, actually, yeah, I just thought it was like a song well, that so, was like and on you those know, terms, from the consider 1820s. the fact that dreams may one day, and it may be, <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe due to your work, just just part of the so help me no, God if I do part, nothing else. Just part of the human folklore. Think about think about dreams as a, a, a folklore. Okay, so then that gets down to the real fundamental question of the song: Is the songwriting itself the thing that creates this endorphin rush for us, or is it in the performance? We've been talking so much about the timbres that these yeah. band that this band used, the precision that they played with, the the quality of Hagar's voice, and yeah. the ability for it to like get so high up and still kind of have its abrasive fire to it. Could and and I also said I think I'll. Off you said you don't want me to spoil I, this for you. Well, that I tried to sing it at karaoke, uh-huh. and it was absolutely a disaster. Whereas, like... Did you feel good, though? No, not after... Because I crashed, <laughs> I, I crashed and burned so hard, I was I was humiliated. <laughs> okay. And also because I couldn't... Because I wanted to be able to be Sammy Hagar, and, like... I mean, it's basically, like, getting onto the basketball court and be like, now I'll do Michael Jordan slam dunk. And then you realize that you can't... You don't have the ability to do that at all. <laughs> Just because you're wearing Air yeah, Jordans yeah, doesn't exactly. mean that you also get you to You can be that. excited by watching him... You know, do that windmill dunk, but you can't do it yourself. There's this thing called, um, uh, I think they're called mirror neurons in our mind. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. You guys know all about them. When you see someone doing something, whether it's sports or pornography or, uh, you know, um, a maestro violinist, you know, we, they're the, they're the parts of our mind that cultivate empathy and they make us feel like we can do it, which is why we like seeing a slam dunk on Absolutely. Sports Center because it makes you feel like you're flying yourself, even though you're not. You're sitting on your couch watching it, eating yep. some nachos. But you get that little sort of empathetic thrill of feeling that you're soaring through the air and putting, you know, the rock through the rim or whatever. Um, so absolutely, I feel that way when I hear dreams to sing it at karaoke and realize how far the divide is between my aspirations and my abilities. It was a humbling, humbling experience. To to, to your point though, about the the instruments and like how they work and everything. And like, I I think, and I don't think we'll ever know it. I don't think we can know it. I don't think we should know it. It's like opening the fucking lost ark. You, if you know it, your face melts off or your ears burn off. So you just melt in the wax. And the only thing you're left hearing is like, uh, I was going to, I'm not going to say that, but, um, but I think, you know, this precision is, in many ways, musician. Both of you know this is a musician. In many ways, music is math. 
Uh, and and the, the secret is, first of all, to do the math enough so that it works so that people don't just fucking hate it. Then after that, that's where it gets like magical and weird and what it's all about is because you're doing this math and you don't even know the math you're doing. Uh, but I think they do more. I mean, that's why the, some of the biggest rock stars that have ever existed in our lives, um, that they are doing it on a level uh, that they're much closer to the sun, as it were, and could tap into that. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to try to uh, disagree with my gracious host here on a point, but this is, do you, oh, you ever, no, did, you ever, did you read that? I guess that's like, a fun I, part of this podcast. Well, that guy, Owen Pallet, <laughs> was writing that column for Slate for a little while right, where he right. was like analyzing like the, distance between certain melodies and he's like oh the reason you like this Katy perry song is because it jumps from one key to another and yeah in this or that way and i always thought that was interesting but it really eventually just rubbed me completely the wrong way because it's like well if this is this way then why aren't there a thousand Katy perry's and why isn't every song but on that, 5150 as good as dreams and, and, and i guess that's my that's my point and, and, I, and you're saying it, the math gets you so far and then it, then the extraneous yeah, yeah. stuff uh, comes it, in it is it is something we cannot know but it is yeah. i think it's innate to us yeah like or anything that can make sound. If my cats can go and make a like triple album, uh, you know, <laughs> polyphonic explosion, like they could, uh, you know, given the mastery of the technology. Right, so right. I, I think it's just uh, and being not a very like spiritual uh, or religious person, I think it is a very spiritual thing that just exists out yeah. in the universe. That mm -hmm. if you tap into it, like uh, our friend Casey Ray just posted an article about how they think. Uh, consciousness is now that they're like the hippies are right it's just vibes and like i subscribe to that i i, I think you know it is it, how you take this how you take us sitting down here how you take any music react to is how it makes you feel and then you but you can't do that in a vacuum you have to react to it and people will react to that yeah so w one thing that i said or that i thought of when you mentioned that it's like math is that it's sort of like math, like a, a recipe is math, you know, yeah. like, no, that's it's, exactly it's not right. a precise, but like, it's like, it's like, they know they're, they're so good at it. They know that like, oh yeah. no, if we hit the, the snare and the tom, like da, 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 like that, like right yeah. after the chorus, that's going to yeah. take, you know, they, they just know like four and then three. Exactly. Let's hit, let's throw right. everything that's in actually, there and like kind of mix it up. And yeah. then, you know, it's, you, you know, you can have some variety with this and that and, you know. All that clearly, that, I don't even know enough about cooking to make this well, analogy continue. I, 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 I do, I do, and but that's yeah, the yeah. that's the absolute perfect fucking analogy. Because, for example, for the past two years, I have been chasing down how to make nice, whole, holy, airy bread. Right, right, and I can make good bread, but I can't make that holy airy bread. So, like, I've got the math down to get me there. I'm like, so if I need to make bread, you know, we made bread for Thanksgiving dinner for every day, but mm -hmm. but to get that, to get that art, to get that thing that's going to make me feel like you know the the bread equivalent of dreams, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like like where I bite into it and like I hear like eighteen thousand guitars. I really hope that must be I, strong. I, I hope someday at dinner you serve someone bread and they take a bite and they go, "This is the bread equivalent of Van Halen's <laughs> dreams." <laughs> That's my hope for you in this life. Uh, you know, uh, stranger things have happened. Got a lot of weird friends, man. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is that. And I think they more so, uh, at it, this weird moment in history, they just tapped into this on this album. Yeah. Um, and I think because of that, it's easier to not forget, but forgive a little, like some of the lascivious stuff. You know, you go down to the last song, like uh, Inside, 
just it's like whatever, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Gross. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. you know, and it's just like chalk it up to like boys will be boys, I guess, or not, or not. I mean, I mean, these, I mean, you absolutely can be a slime ball with great hopes and dreams and a capacity for pleasure. I mean, I think that okay for sure. One thing I want to ask you guys, which I hope isn't too much of a digression, but is maybe more in line with the idea of um, compulsive revisitation of music. Have you had songs like this in your life where like suddenly it just takes over your world and you can't stop listening to it for more than a, more than a week, more than two weeks? I, I, first of all, I would say, whose basement are you in? But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. but, but uh, I, specifically... Uh, or what's the longest time then a song has like occupied, uh, like I can't go a day without hearing it? Uh, gentle on my mind a lot uh, for a year. Right now, it's a Xanadu soundtrack. It's not a song. It's like the the actual huh. piece okay. uh, of thing. And um, for people who don't know, it was a uh, Gene Kelly, Olivia Newton John, weirdly ELO vehicle. It was a film and had a soundtrack. So it was half Olivia Newton John and half the back half of ELO. Right when ELO was sort of coming out of the seventies, and people were like, "Eh, we don't like your capes that much anymore." Um, and um, but the 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 pop work on it is I'm fascinated by by the way you were about dreams. I I am just looking at it. And besides it just being satisfying, mm-hmm. the song "Magic" by Living and John is is the fucking jam. So besides that, I'm I'm I keep listening to it and obsessing over it and just over and over and over till it drives Daria crazy. It drives my friends crazy to figure out how it works. Mm. Knowing that I'm not going to figure out how it works. Yeah, yeah. But that journey into that is fucking like it's it's everything. Yeah. I wonder what's wrong with me because I did not feel like I need to like learn to play this on the guitar or like worry about I mean the most I did was read Hagar's biography mm-hmm. to try and find out like what the motivation for the song was and which was incredibly disappointing. So maybe that was discouraging and I well, stopped I, there. I, I don't know. But, I, need- but I, I always I always had something about music that and I'm trying to figure this out about myself. Like, I love the mystery of it, and I and I hate to, you know, I'm in the information business, so I feel bad being like, ignorance is great. <laughs> but like, but, I, but there's something, there's some value that I've yet to articulate in a, in a cogent way, that there's a value to staying stupid to something, if that makes sense. Yeah. So this song just overtakes me in this incredibly physical way, which you guys had to sit here and watch as I sit here and writhed around on the couch with <laughs> unadulterated pleasure hearing the song. Um, and it's and it's strange, and I kind of just don't want to know how it works. You know what I mean? No, the opposite of what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, no, no, and I'm, I'm totally not trying to play it. Xanadu. But, I mean, like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm also I, not trying to say, like, I'm totally different, but it's just weird. Yeah. Like, there's some kind of thing where I don't want to know. It's like... No, that's the point. And like, no, I, so, I, was so gonna I was going to make the exact same point. We all play music because of the feeling we get when we play music, right? But we also listen to music because it's the yeah, same. It's but complicated. A sure. Well, sure. Well, I would also say, but there's, but there's, I mean, there's so many songs where I go through what you're talking about, where it's like I do, mm-hmm. or what I think maybe you're talking about, where it's like I want to take it apart, figure out how it works, or listen to it again, and I'm probing it and asking it a question. That's the thing. I'm not asking any questions of this song. It's just like pure right. hammer of joy to my brain, and I don't want to know what's happening. And well, it, it opens and it, up and space. And it's unrelenting, and it's and it's not going away. It man. opens up space for you to figure out yourself and to figure out the world around you. I mean that. And that's what art is supposed to do, I think. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you're supposed to look at everything you see and be like, that's great. And I just file that away as some like catalog of ranking thing. Like, that's right, just great. Right. It's like, how does that make me feel? That's always the question. Yeah, no, and I was going to say the exact same thing to your, uh, what, that you just said. When, when I was growing up, I, I was so against pop music. I just hated it, and I thought it was what? 
I just it wasn't for me or and I I made fun of my friends who listen to pop music and it was that was our way of being a little tribe was that we listen to you know classic rock and we knew it was cool and all that right. whatever right and then I heard Bad Romance by Lady Gaga and I just I just remember right. everything that I, all my preconceived notions broke and that's it, the feeling that I love the most is I actually don't know any of the lyrics to that song yeah uh, I think it's a actually lyrically a good song but I don't even know but what I what I'm chasing with that song is that caught me it just you know made my knees buckle and i was just like oh that's yep i thought i didn't like it but i i can't deny how i'm feeling right now and so like it opened up this whole thing for me of like i can i can appreciate pop music and not have to be like known by the type of music that i listen to or this one identity or the other and that was just it it did something undeniable you know and so it's it's not exactly the song itself it's like the if it in my case, it taught me something about myself that I right. that I yeah. so desperately needed, and that's the, like so invaluable and to me. I, I hope even... you don't think I'm trying to argue with you guys or be contrary no, no, no. or whatever. But no. actually, my experience is different than that, though, too, because right. then I thought, oh, now I'm going to understand right. like Cinderella and Rat and all these other hair metal bands <laughs> that never that never resonate with me. Right. But I don't. Right. I don't even understand other Van Halen right. albums. Right. I just understand this just understand song. That. You know that's what I mean? So well, and I'm not so trying to. Be, even, and I'm not trying yeah. to say like I'm so special and whatever. Right. No, I'm just. I'm only advancing the conversation. Like what is Many, there's so many ways in. There's so, <laughs> so many. Great. There's, no, no, there's so many that. ways into what we're talking about. Is like, it's like I don't like terms like optimism or rockist or anything like that. Yeah. I think you know if if you really love that feeling, not music, just that feeling, you should be willing to go wherever. If somebody puts something in front of okay, you, okay, there you go. That's something that's helpful. Yeah. If, go on, if, go on, if somebody, on, if somebody puts something in front of you and like this is who knows you. That's that's how this works. This is this is good. This is what. This makes me feel this way, uh, and maybe yeah. it'll make you feel that way. And you have to, for unless people really trust you, put on the other side. I'm not going to judge you if you don't feel that way. Right. I'm just saying, like, here, man, doctor, this. you've cured me with that. I, I think. got that from okay, you, this, motherfucker. Well, this, well great. Because, we're just because, <laughs> because, because, because you were here, and I understand down, myself. You were down here six years ago uh-huh. and talking about how you felt your goal at, at the post was to basically be the lighthouse. And shine the light on things. And I think, I don't know if you, what you were talking about then was what you thought critically of stuff, because critical thinking is very different from what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but it is like that thing, it's, uh, and, and our friend Marcus Moore does this. If something makes him feel good, he knows us, it will pro- and he knows this will probably make these people feel good. And then you make those other people feel good, and then it just... Gross. What you just, thank you. And what you just said, I think, gives me a little more clarity here because it doesn't help me understand the mystery, but it maybe it makes me help me, helps me understand what neighborhood the mystery lives in. Right. This idea <laughs> that the pleasure that I get from this song has nothing to do with genre, era, nope. instruments, time, lyrics, nope. song meaning, melody, all these things that are the component parts of music. They, there's something about how they all come together <laughs> it, magically in this recipe, if you want right. to, yeah. you know, put it combine all the metaphors we've been using all night long into one thing um yeah it's not a gateway to something else Uh it's it's just all these different component parts coming together in this singular way in this weird lightning bolt of a song for me that i don't understand why i can't stop listening to it i think that maybe does make it more special and does make it like it does help explain why it doesn't lose power yeah because i'm not 
experiencing anything similar from like Van Halen's aesthetic neighbors and his genre neighbors and marketplace neighbors. You know what I mean? Right. And you're not going um, into it being like, why well, isn't every other Van Halen song like this? Right. You, I, you, I, you, I tried yeah. that, but I wasn't angry about it. I just thought, because right. I, I, was, I was like, are there more? No, nope, yeah. there aren't. There's just this Which one. Is, that's <laughs> the worst thing you can do when you find right. something like this. If you, if you like try to grab onto it and like sort of uh, not understand the rest of the band, or if you don't understand the band, just like keep trying to. If you don't, just don't worry about it. Yeah. You like Dreams. Well, that's the other part, too. If there were other songs that were like this, then I do think the value of Dreams would begin to diminish, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, if there's, there's other things like that feel similar. Oh, I can get this feeling yeah. five other times throughout their discography. But it's funny, too, because this away. is a specific instance where not only like is this a diversion for the band, but also it's a different singer. And the singer's right. like sort of background informs yeah. things so much. Like... I, you, I don't think you ever would have seen this with David Lee Roth. He just was too cheeky. No, yeah, right. He just was. Right. It would never have gotten this sincere. It's not good right. showmanship, or whatever it is. You know, I don't. Even, yeah, right. uh, exactly. It's n and and for that same reason, like something like Panama, which I consider to be like the best Van Halen song, would not speak to you, right? In the yeah, way right. that this does, right? right? And, and it, doesn't, it, it doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's, the, car the Carney that's can't incredible. Do dreams. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's actually there's actually a band um, and uh, it's it's. Find that we're veering off Van Halen a little bit because this is uh, this is one of the last ones we're going to be doing in DC. Okay. So, but uh, the band Crowded House, especially later on in their career, uh, Woodface is what I'm thinking about, d captures a lot of what this captures for me in in most of their work. In, so in um because I can listen to all the songs and I can I now I know after spending decades with this stuff what the songs are about, but there's certain feelings and I can actually place them along my timeline and stuff. And it was just a, I got hooked on one of them and carried that forward with me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I wasn't joking about, like, do you sing this to your daughter? And that's sweet. Like, if you do. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that, that, she, that, well, that, that, she, and she won't get it, but, like, that's, <laughs> right now, but that, that's, that's perfect. That's what that feeling is for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so, you know, you can find it, like I was saying, in, in all these other bands, in all these other places. It it was shocking to find it in Van Halen. Um, to my point about this maybe being the Big Bang pop explosion, I don't know. Because I think people are chasing this. And for me, I didn't get this before this album. Yeah. Like, I did not get this savory and sweet, if you will. I didn't get the contrast of, like, here's some really, like, just sort of bad macho shit and then this thing uh, and for me it just literally did not exist in my consciousness that doesn't mean it didn't exist before that just means like i wasn't aware of it yeah yeah but maybe it didn't <laughs> right right, <laughs> like, right. We, do we know and, yeah. that, uh, and and i think that's worth pursuing and that's why i keep listening to the album one very corny metaphor that i've heard people talk about sometimes very sincerely so i believe it is that Music is just like a frequency that we get to like pick up. Yep. Musicians get to pick up, you know. Actually, Paul McCartney's talked about this. I interviewed Bill Callahan, the songwriter. He talks about this. It's like you're not creating anything. You're just kind of catching a yeah. frequency that exists or whatever. Yeah. So then, and I've heard other people be like, well, you know, music. It's just like it's a manifestation of like God or a higher thing, and like sometimes it just pops up when you least expect it. So like maybe I don't know if that's the explanation of no, dreams some too. People like call maybe it this, is, this is the divine moment that they had or something, or just to me, who knows? I think about this all the time. Uh, Bach um, had this quote where he would he said that the song is exists out there, 
Yeah, it's right. your job to yep. go get it and bring it back. Yeah, like to yeah. the to this realm. Right. Yep. Right. Like it's already out there in its like platonic form or whatever right. you know whatever right. wording he's. And it's like it just it's just so wonderful to think that like I don't know there are like there there is a, a divine being like nature of it that you can like you can tap into. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, now we get like the whole metaphysics of like, has everything already happened and does everything already exist? And <laughs> is time an illusion? I mean, are we it, on the dreams timeline? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> are we on Guys, this? that's because, what dreams because, are made of. Because if we are, look, there's a, look, it's not worth Trump. I'll tell you that. Like, I love you dreams, but no. <laughs> I, I feel like I should uh, mention that I was visited by aliens now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, this, okay. yeah, this is the okay. point. Well, the podcast. Time yeah. to bring it up, but yeah, it was. Um, it is uh, honestly, I think this album, after talking about it for like an hour and fifteen minutes, is just as confounding as when we started talking about it. That's a good thing, actually. Yeah, I Test, think it's a very testament good thing. to the album. Um, and I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not going to speak for you guys, but I, I love it. I love every single thing about this. Um, I, I don't even know if I consider it a Van Halen album. I don't care. I'm just like. This is, I don't know how you could not get joy out of it, but if you don't, that's cool. <laughs> Amen. That's, yeah. that's a great review for any kind of music you're enthusiastic yeah. about, I think. Yeah. Here yeah. it is. Here it is. Try yeah. it on. Just fucking do it. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's not. Yeah. But go out and check it out. Uh, Phil, thanks for coming down. I'll probably see you me. again. Probably won't see you. Thank you, uh, Chris, for being a part of this. Hey, man. Congratulations on all the great work you've done. Good Thanks. luck in the next chapter Thanks. of your life. Thank you for having me. I wish yeah. you could have done it more. I apologize. Well, you wasn't know, available life. More often to and, but, lab, you but, know, the beauty of that is life goes on. It does go on. So if you're ever in Milwaukee. Yeah, do it on the Call me up on the phone, man. We'll get some little high, yeah, high, you're high gonna, res. You're going to uh, take part in our dead experiment. Oh, yes, I am. So I'm looking forward to that. Great, but, uh, looking forward to that. But we're going to take a quick break, come back, and... Review OU812. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys both, man. I learned a lot today. I appreciate you both. Thank you. Thanks again to Chris and Philip for coming down to hang out and uh, really just going in on this stuff. Um, that is a, uh, I think, a little peek inside all of our, our brains, our heads, and you know that is uh, even editing this together. That's that's one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done. I sort of expect the next few to be like that. We uh, we often uh, restrained is not necessarily the right word, but. But this, uh, you know, we cut loose. I hope it comes across that way, and and uh, and just had a good time. Uh, maybe life changing time. It was for me. I think it was for Chris. I think I got to check in with Chris to make sure that he hasn't listened to Dreams fifty times already today. This is the day after, but uh, neither here nor there. Uh, that is it for this edition of Chunky Glasses the podcast. If you liked what you heard, do us a solid. Tell your friends. Then subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, or Spotify. You just save it there. No subscription necessary. Um, we also have a Patreon, but that's going to be going away because, uh, well, you guys didn't didn't like it, and that's fine. 
we have we have operated as a a non-profit in the truest sense of the word for damn near six years now damn near 400 episodes so we will continue to do that uh out there on the web we're at www.chunkyglasses.com there you're going to see the work of all our fantastic photographers led up by the great mauricio castro uh we're bringing in more people we're trying people we got some people in chicago going to branch out to other cities but uh but some of the best work and um and uh you know i see this and, I, and i'm like this is this is the youth this is this is what's replacing me in this town i used to do this work all the time and and they're astounding they're better than i ever was or probably can be at that but uh but yeah so looking for all their work out there and on twitter at, at chunky glasses and uh instagram at, at chunky glasses all of that is up there coming up in the next few weeks so we're we're going to end our DC run at episode 400. And uh, I think we're going to knock out a little best of 2018 special. I think that's going to be um, not quite a list, but uh, you know, if you, if you need to, if you want to know what we think is the best of 2018, go look and go back and look at what we covered. That's the easiest way to do that. But so we're going to have a conversation about that though. Um, and maybe we'll do one last sounds of DC thing. And then, um, and then I promised Eduardo a Steely Dan episode. So we're going to do that and then off into the ether, which happens to be Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So uh, tune in. Hope you're having a great holiday. Um, we'll be back next Friday. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi! <laughs> <laughs>